Welcome to the Scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Steve Werner from Hour of Champions. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So can you give us a quick overview of Hour of Champions? What's Hour of Champions? What is it about? What do you guys do? Yeah, Hour of Champions is a training program for how to condition yourself for life and life's challenges. It evolved from my own personal journey. And what I discovered through a hard period was that if I had been conditioned physically, mentally, and spiritually, those three things precisely, I might have had uh, a different road down a very difficult path. But I wound up here because of it, and now I get to promote it to the world. So that's an interesting kind of prequel that you stated. You said that the hardship that you went through made you capable to a degree which had you known that and had you been in that state previously, you would have dealt with it better. So basically what you're saying is you weren't as prepared as you could have been to deal with that and you wished you had been and now you're teaching that to other people. That's very interesting because I totally agree, like in my own life story and going through hardships, it certainly forced me to become a better, more capable person. And I did learn a lot of things the hard way like what you're saying. And so can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you learned the hard way that you wish you would have known and and what that hardship forced you to, how it forced you to reframe things and see things in a different way and and be more capable of handling that if it were to happen again? Yeah, thank you so much for a great question. And as I described, I didn't have these coping mechanisms prior to some hardship that I went through. And I had been, I had reinvented myself a few times. I come out of school and become a professional commodity trader right out of school. You're probably too young to remember what commodity trading looked like before it became, before your generation took over my generation. But we had the old time trading floors with hundreds of people jumping up and down, yelling and screaming. That was my existence for 20 years. And then subsequent to that, I found myself involved in a family business, a finance company that I had to help turn around in the early 2000s. When I landed, it was in financial disarray, rebuilt the business with my younger brother and turned it into something that was really big and poised for acquisition and something that I was pinching myself about saying, I can't believe I did it again. And then the credit crisis hit in 2008 and 2009 and the business was wiped out. I went through a very painful 18 months, two years of unwinding it, had a lot of investor, family and friends money involved a big Wall Street bank involved. And it was just, it was a beating. It was a physical and mental beating. And as I was navigating through it, I wound up seeing a therapist and getting put on multiple medications. I had very serious battles with insomnia around the same time that Heath Ledger wound up losing his life. So a lot of mysterious things going on. And I lived for almost five and a half years as a functioning zombie on a series of medications. And then One morning I was walking through downtown Chicago and I intersected with a friend's son who's a doctor. This young man was in his late thirties and I had known him since he was like 12 years old. And we decided we would meet for breakfast the next week. And we did at like six o'clock in the morning, 6.15 in the morning. And he looked at me and said, what are you on, man? What's the matter with you? And I was taken aback. I was like, what are you talking about? It's 6.15 in the morning. Like, what do you mean? What am I on? What? And he said, Steve, I've known you since I'm a young kid and I'm looking at your eyes, you have a glazed look, there's something wrong. 
And I said, I have this business experience and I got put on all these medications. And he asked me specifically what they were. And I rattled them off. And he said to me, you're going to die. And I said, I'm going to die. Abuse them. I take them exactly the way it says on the, they're prescribed by a doctor. Like I'm not buying these street. And that makes he just them said safe. Me, yeah, that makes them safe. Exactly right. Take one in the morning, one at night, four <laughs> different medications. And he just said to me, I'm telling you right now, Steve, you're not going to be around. And I'm going to get you off all of this stuff. Are you in or are you out? And wow. you know, here really I am. Interesting. Like, here I am. And I agreed to have breakfast with a young doctor. And the next thing you know, he's telling me I'm going to die. And I have a choice to make. One doctor tells me I need to be on this stuff. The other doctor tells me I'm risking my life. And who do you trust more than your doctor? So I had to make a choice. And he put the screws to me. And he said, I want to know right now, are you yeah. in or are you out? Yeah, I'm very interested in this fella because it's rare for a doctor, uh, no offense to people who are doctors and nurses and in the medical profession, but it is rare for a doctor to say something like that. Stop taking the meds. That's interesting. Yeah. And he was not a therapist or a psychiatrist. He's a, an internist, as a matter of fact. And he just, he had a hunch that that was right. And again, here I am, I have a choice to make. And I said, okay, I'm in. And he said, okay, I want you to give me your wife's number. He knows my wife since he's a young man. He said, I want you to go home, give her all the meds, uh, because I have to be super careful on how the, I get you off of these and you better find another room to sleep in because this isn't going to be pretty. And wow. now I'm just like going, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Like all I agreed to do was meet for breakfast and now I'm going to change my life. It's not going to be pretty. And I could tell you that I agreed. I went home. I gave him my wife's number. So, I gave so my I'm wife gonna, all the I'm going to guess we're going to hear about, I'm, I'm going to guess you, you must have had some withdrawal stuff, but just to make sure you don't feel alone in your story 2008 ruined me as well i went bankrupt i went through a similar thing and got chewed up pretty good so i am familiar yeah. with the process yeah so well, okay so kudos to you for for being bold enough to disclose that like my company went bankrupt personally i did not but i was lucky to get through that but i did lose a very successful enterprise and i had no idea what i was going to do with my life and had to spend a few years unwinding it and had to face a hundred investors friends family adversarial bank we you and i did not get bailed out like some we did not get bailed out and i was really upset about that my bank got several billion dollars in tarp money that they did not let trickle down and they treated my brother and i like war criminals the entire time as we paid them back I'm guessing that the numbers were 90, almost 90% of what we owed them. When most people paid back 10% and walked away from 90%, we thought that we were honorable business guys and we're going to honor our commitment. And if I would have known now, then what I know now, I would have just dropped the keys in the Chicago river and said, good luck. I, <laughs> I tortured myself almost to death. I tortured yeah, that's myself. A, that's a huge burden. Like I understand that burden. I went through a similar thing too. I just, I felt like an awful person because I couldn't meet the obligations I made. And of course, in reality, there's a lot of people that didn't meet their obligations, but they had friends in high places and taxpayer money. That's not a fair system. And, but it's interesting. So let's keep going on the story here. Let's finish it on a positive note here. What did you learn? How did you get out of this? What was the, the process and where did you end up? Yeah, I could tell you night number two, the first med that was taken away from me was Klonopin, which if people are not familiar with it, it's a benzodiazepine. It's in the family of Xanax or Valium. It's just 100x. It's 
the most powerful benzodiazepine there is. And again, I had no clue. I was just doing what a doctor told me to do. So is that like a train? I'm not real familiar with pharmaceutical drugs. Is that like a no, train, it's, like a downer? It's, it's, I guess it's used for, for insomnia, for panic attacks. But in conjunction with the three other meds that I was taking, it was a grenade. And that was the first drug that we were going to get me off. And my wife gave me the first night would look like a speck of salt that I get. And I took it and I went to bed and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I was going through massive withdrawals, massive to the point that I was shaking, crying. And I texted my friend, the doctor, and I said, I need more Klonopin. And if you look at a text and you see the bubble coming, he's texting back and it said, F you. Like, I don't want to swear on wow. your podcast, but he's, he just, he's like, man, I'm going to hold you to it. You're just going to have to pay the piper, my friend. Exactly. That's and tough. I, That's tough, man. I, I texted him back. You don't understand. I'm melting down, man. Like I'm melting down. And he texted back, get in the street and run 25 wind sprints. Yeah. And I texted back. It's February 5th. It's four below zero. <laughs> and he said, I know the date. I know the time. Get in the street. I'm oh. up with you. Oh my God. That yeah. insane, so man. I put on a hoodie and some sweatpants and I got in the street. I don't know if I sprinted. I definitely fell forward for 40 yards and then turned around and did it again and again, 25 times, came back in my house, texted him. I did it. And he said, how do you feel? I said, I actually feel better. And he said, okay, start making yourself some breakfast, open a book and start reading. Let's go. And I said, I typed him back. It's 2:47 in the morning. And again, I know the date. I know the time. I told you I'd be with you. Let's go. And I described that as the first night of 10 months of hell every single day for 10 months. Yeah, um, I think I think it's interesting because I think there's a lot more people who are familiar with how horrible the withdrawal process can be from various drugs and, and alcohol. But a lot of people don't talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. They, they either experience it themselves or they have a family member who has been through such things. But for anyone who has not experienced it is the most painful experience you can imagine pretty much. <laughs> Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. The, the other painful part of the experience was watching my wife and kids watch me go through it. Yeah. Um, they pushed me every step of the way. They were my greatest cheerleaders. And I'll fast forward. After a few months, I started going to the gym at three o'clock in the morning and incorporating. And I started getting on YouTube and finding something spiritual and something on mindset and putting it into my phone. And while I was working out, I would just absorb it. And I was doing push. I was 55 at the time, 64 now. And I was just pushing like really hard. I couldn't do another pull up, another push up, skip another jump by the time I was done. And one morning I was walking out at 4.15 and a guy was walking in and he said to me, what are you, a cop or a fireman or something? Like I'm getting here at 4.15 in the morning and you're leaving. What are you doing? And I said, I'm saving my life. And I quickly explained to him what I was doing. And he said, you do that all in an hour. It's like you're training for a championship fight. I walked to my car and I flipped over a business card and I wrote in the dark, hour of champions. And I said, I'm going to need this someday. And when yeah. I get to the other side, I'm going to tell my story. And that's, that's the an awesome reason. moment of clarity there. And it's funny because you have a lot of, when you work out really hard, there's a lot of chemicals and a lot of things that happen inside your brain and in your body, all positive ones, as far as I, I know of, but 
you have those moments of clarity and you have thoughts of creativity and things come to you and the, an interesting state to put yourself in. And I have that happen too in the gym. Sometimes I got to pick up my phone and I got to make a quick note. I'm like, that is the greatest piece of copy ever written right there. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not, but you get those. That's an interesting story you came up with our champions. That's, that's fantastic. So yeah, and I think that's the best thing for people who are really stuck almost in any situation too, who aren't really pushing it in the gym, who aren't really working on their health and fitness. That's something you can control and that's something you can do right now. Like if your life is in a bad place or if it's not where you want it, if you're depressed, if you're messed up, if you're on stuff, if your business is crap, if you're going bankrupt, it doesn't matter. You can go to the gym right now. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. And that is a really easy way to get a quick win, right? To get a little bit of momentum. And yeah, that's like the easiest thing just to start doing, like just start doing that, right? Three, four days a week, whatever you want to do and, and then start another thing too. But yeah, I love that. So you, you went through this whole process, you cleaned up your mind and, and your mindset, your way of thinking, the way you see the world, your perceptions, and also probably the, the perception of yourself too, in this whole process, right? So you came out of it, a different person took charge of everything. It sounds like. And so how do you translate that into whatever kind of coaching or, or programs that you do for other people? Tell us about our champions. Like, how do people work with you? What types of people are they? What's your program like? Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. I'll rewind to the, what I identified about myself. I was living as the victim in my story instead of the hero of my story. And my kids and my wife and my friends and everybody saw this victim for three, four, five years. And what really pushed me along when I started gaining clarity, and I love the fact that you use that word because when I first started, there was so much fog, uncertainty. And by the way, through that whole journey, I never stopped being a father, a son, a brother, a business partner, a little league coach, all that stuff, right? Like on, on the outside, everybody saw this great guy, Steve, and on the inside, I was like collapsing. I'd be in a business meeting and my partners had no inclination what was going on. I'd leave the room, I'd go into the bathroom, I'd fall on the floor and I would text my doctor friend, I'm dying, like I can't make it. And he would text me back 200 push-ups, And I'd be like, but I have a suit and tie on. And he would go <laughs> take off the jacket. Yeah, uh, do so eight sets of 25. you go back to the boardroom, you're, you're covered in sweat. and <laughs> 100%. 100% many times yep. oh my or God. 500 air squats. I would text the back. I did the 50 air squats. He'd go read the text again. And I look, I said, oh my God, it said 500. Oh my you God. Know? And what it's doing was creating deflector mechanisms, mm -hmm. actually getting yeah. my mind off what was going on. And when you're in the end, because you're an athlete, when you get into that zone of whether you're doing high velocity jumping jacks or bench pressing, it's you hard can't to think, think about, about anything, anything else. else. Exactly. You can't think you about cannot. anything else. So you if you're in can't. pain, yeah, if you're in pain and you do like a light bench press until absolute failure, you're in a different kind of pain for a long time and you forget all about everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And the other facets, the spirit and the mindset were the same thing. Like sometimes I would text him melting down and he would text back, pray. I'd be like, pray for what? And he would write strength. And I would just go in the bathroom and I'd get down on my hands and knees and I would just ask the universe for two hours of strength. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you why, 
but it was delivered to me, maybe because I asked unselfishly, and that's been the way that I've lived. Earlier, you were bringing up, you were, this is an, an interesting thing, I don't know if you want to get into it now, but you were talking about, and, and I don't want to be mean to, to people that are out there that are posting positive messages, because I think it's a good thing, but I also think it's out of context, and it's a little bit spammy when people are like, have the best day ever, win-win, just always win, and all this positivity, and it's it's nice, but it's BS. It's not reality. Thank you for um, reminding me of that, of the um, initial conversation. And, and, yep. and I totally agree with you, too, and it's like, you, you don't just win. You have challenges, and sometimes you just pray to the sky or whatever for two more hours, because sometimes that's all you're going to get. And yeah. so you have to find a way to make that enough. And it's not always about winning the day. Sometimes it's just about surviving the day. So maybe tomorrow you can win. And 100%. you know, I've, I've had days in my life like that too, where I'm just like hoping and praying, please give me one more day because yeah. today is just all I can do to hold on. That's all I can do. So yeah. yeah and to I your mean, point, the older you get, the more you see this, the more you see life is beautiful. It really is. It's a beautiful journey, but it's tough. It's tough. And I always tell my clients like, or colleagues or whoever I'm talking to, working with, we don't get to see the script. Never do we get to see the script. So we don't know the phone call that's coming five minutes from now or tomorrow or two weeks in the future. So I said initially that I was upset. I got nauseated at the fact that I'm looking at social media and all I, all I see is win when I think about my son who was a, a boxer. He actually fought in the Golden Gloves at 18 years old. And he just hung on one round after getting pummeled so he can regain his composure and come back the next round and win that round. When there's been many champions that have gotten knocked on the seat of their pants and gotten up and somehow protected themselves so they can get to the corner and take that minute to reset and then come back and win. But it's not all about mm, just yeah. winning. It's learning how to cruise sometimes and just make it through the day. As novel as that sounds, that's hard enough sometimes. Yeah, yeah I think there is this kind of fake profit propaganda nonsense out there where a lot of people who aren't truly self-made, who have really been through hardships, I don't think they understand that failing and not winning is part of being a winner. And so they just want to portray their wins and all the things they did great. And I remember a long time ago, way before Trump ran for president, I think it was in The Art of the Deal, I think one of his first books, he quoted one of the only quotes I remember from the book, it was a long time ago, he said, we learn a lot from our successes, but we learn even more from our failures. And that quote stuck with me. It's so interesting because I think that's true, number one. You learn from your successes and that's great. And we wanna have successes, but I think we do learn more from our failures. And I think also we can teach other people more from our failures than our successes, but no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to say, you know what? I did this thing, I failed miserably and here's what I learned and here's what you can learn too. They wanna pretend like they don't fail. Like they always win, like they're the best. And it's, there's something very disenfranchising and very fake about that. You yeah. Know, I'm glad you brought it up. And I, I was people... always skeptical. I was a skier a lot in my youth and I was always skeptical about the guy that never fought, never fell. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, God, you must not be skiing too hard. Because I'm wiping out all the time. Like, but I'm actually, I'm not on the flat surface. And I equate that to life too. I've been a risk taker in many different facets of life. And I do believe the greatest risk is not to risk. And I don't mean that recklessly. I just mean, 
you got to take some chances. And, and I take the blame. I allowed myself to get medicated because I thought it was the right thing to do. I would, I never blame the doctor. I, I don't. That's his job. But I also got to make the decision to change my life and take, I've identified something like really powerful that I want to share with you and your audience that you can't change your story, but you can change the way you tell it. Mm. And that will change everything. Within every victim story, there's a hero hiding somewhere in there. And that's what I try to help people that I work with identify. Where is that hero hiding? How do we change your story the way you tell your story so that you feel good about yourself? Because I felt like shit about myself when I was taking meds every night. And my youngest son was coming in, looking at me, laying in bed, frightened to see me taking four medications and passing out. I wasn't afraid of dying. I was afraid of living, which is a scary place to be. Afraid of living. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Like there's I think there's a lot of people who like, let me say this, like the only people who don't fail are the people who don't do anything. And if you're not doing anything and you're not failing, then you're not living. And my personal opinion is if you're not living, then what's the point? And I also think the only people that are afraid of death are the people who haven't lived. Because if you've lived, you don't really worry about it. You're like, well, I made use of my time. I did everything that I I could. I did the best I I could. And I know that. So that's just like a different way to frame it. It's refreshing to hear people talk a lot about that. And and there's some people out there like Alex Hermosi, of course, is a very big voice. He talks about failing a lot. And I like that. It's refreshing. It's like, because I think a lot of new people and younger people coming up, whether they're entrepreneur or not, they have this like fake idea, like I have to be like Jeff Bezos and in one day be worth a hundred billion dollars when that's not the story at all. Years and years of that company not being profitable and second guessing. And is it a bookstore online or is it, what is it? And by the way, investors getting crushed leaving in it too for, yeah. for years. Yeah. And I like, there's some really big entrepreneurs now too, talking about a lot of podcasters and they're reminding people it is supposed to be hard. It is supposed yeah. to be damn hard. That's the point. Just go into it, understanding that it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be really hard. It's supposed to force you to become a better version of you. And so when people feel burnout and they feel like they're struggling and they feel like they're failing, that's the way it's supposed to feel. <laughs> I believe in my own spiritual journey. And it took me a while to find that that was the biggest struggle for me to find that part of that triangle that I spoke of. But there's a great cliche, no atheist in foxholes. And when things get really tough, you're looking for something bigger than yourself. And when that started all making sense to me, like... No atheists in foxholes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. I've never heard that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the great, it's one of the great cliches of all time. Yeah, if you, you don't know? believe in God when you're in a foxhole, you will. <laughs> you are, you're, you're looking for him for sure. Yeah, you are yeah. 100% asking where he is. You, you become open-minded very quickly. Open-minded very quickly. Yeah. Yes. That's, um, that's good stuff, man. So Thank you. All right. Yeah, so that's awesome, man. So I'm so happy to so happy that you shared that with everyone because thank you i think it's important for people just to have like realistic expectations of life and like no one teaches you this crap my parents didn't teach me you know they probably didn't really know too much about it and this was before the internet existed there were no podcasts they certainly don't teach you any of this stuff in school or business school or or, or, yeah yeah nowhere nowhere yeah i often say i i'd be up for trading calculus 
for spirituality. I think it would be way better served along the journey of life. I'm sure there are some people that use calculus that need it as a elective, but for the general population, some sort of spirituality, because I think this whole secularism thing that's going on has really been detrimental to society yeah. to not have something bigger than yourself to, to reach out to. When I, middle of the night, when I'm not sleeping, I used to take another half an Ambien now I go into my bathroom, I get on my knees and I ask for two more hours of sleep. And I can't tell you why it's delivered to me, but it is and it yeah. works. Yeah, I'm practical. I do it works and that's awesome. Do you want to do you want to get into your programs and your coaching at all? Is there anything else you want to cover on this topic? You want to segue? Do you want to maybe talk about types of people you're looking to work with or how that's all going? Yeah, I'm. thank you again for asking me that. I'm looking to work with people that are willing to change, that have had enough of enough. Most high achievers butt up against some ceiling of complexity where they second guess themselves, their abilities. And I see this at 30 years old and I see it at 70 years old. Am I good enough to do it again? If I run out of steam, is it too late? For the younger crowd, the change is, is fast and frequent. For my generation, you've stayed in the same lane forever. For the older crowd, it's like you've got to learn that your wisdom is more valuable than your youth. That yeah. what you've attained is that there's a, the ability to monetize that. There's no trading for the bumps and bruises and the pain and the failures mm -hmm. that we spoke of. And those are the people that I want. People always say to me, how would I know if I'm a candidate? And one of the great answers that I give them is, when was the last time somebody told you that you look good or that you've changed or that you sound different when you really put in the work. I, I had like an epiphany this morning because somebody walked up to me at the gym and said, are you retired? And I'm like, oh my God, they only ask that to old people. Do I look old? Like You don't look 60 to me. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm 64 and I'm like, I'm like, I was like, I walked around and I was shaking my head. I'm like, I got to do another hundred pushups. I got yeah. to do another. Like I got to get back on the stairmaster. Like I got to push, push. I don't want to look like a retired guy. And when I get up in the morning, I want to read and exercise my brain and train my mind. And those are the kind of people that I want that are attracted to me. I don't want to. It sounds like you. It sounds like your coaching is has a lot of physical fitness into it, a, along with helping people get back their sense of direction and their certainty and their direction in life. Is that correct? Yeah. Again, thank you for recognizing that twofold approach, right? There, it's a six week program. And as the six week go, we're working like intensely on conditioning physically, mentally, and spiritually, but that's ongoing that you're taking for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. right? The six week program is, really getting to what most people don't want to get to on the onset. And that's the truth. The yeah. truth scares the shit out of everybody, yeah. right? I, I listen to all these, like these gurus out there saying, you got to rewire your brain. And I'm thinking, God, like what color are the wires? Where do you get them? Does <laughs> yeah. it hurt when you put them yeah. in there? And in my world, if you rewire your reality, your brain rewires itself. My, the goal of my program is to help people. If you can imagine the journey of a stock, because I'm a former trader, it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Very infrequently is it linear. Does it go from zero to 100? But it's got a journey of up and down. And along the way, those ups and downs are inviting people in and shaking people out. 
And that's exactly the way life works. Every time there's a down, it will shake you out. You'll go, maybe I should quit my job. Maybe I should break up this relationship. Maybe I should move, whatever it is. And that journey is filled with noise. In trading, we call all that movement, that those gyrations noise. And I try to help people manage noise along the way because life is very noisy. Yeah, I, you know, the, dude, that is so good. Like you can, you, you really need to make sure you use that all the time with your, like your messaging and stuff, because I've noticed that, like, I hear people say a lot, like, man, I just need a break or man, why do things keep happening? And I'm like, dude, that's the normal. That's normal. The noise is normal. It will never stop. That's the never, way it will be never, forever. Never. And so. And I was explaining stop, to my sons. Yeah, stop I was diagramming. For, yeah, so I was waiting for the calm because the calm's not coming. You have to get used to it and, and learn how to to manage it and maneuver it and, and stuff. The only way to do that is to have conviction that what you're doing, that you are on the right road, right? It's like mm-hmm. when right now is it they tell me because I'm not in the market, I'm not a realtor, but it's a tough time to be in real estate. Yeah. If you're a great real estate agent, you do good right now. If you're a shitty real estate agent, you do shitty, right? When the times get great again, the great real estate agents will do great and the crummy ones will do good. That's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. But this is also the time when the weak players get shaken out and the pros go, I've experienced this five times. This is noise. It ends. I got to buckle up. This won't be as good, but I'll get through it because I got to be here on that next upturn. That's when I'm really going to kill it. And your competitors Um, will be gone. And your competitors will be gone. They get shaken out just like as you watch the movement of a stock. Every time a stock goes down, it's just the weak players getting out. They can't take the pain anymore because they don't have the conviction. They can't see out a year, two years, five years, and they lose belief. And people lose belief in themselves and they quit. And it's my job to help them, to give them the visual and help them look at their story their life story is filled with upside ups and downs. And they've been in that foxhole before. They just don't remember it. So, so it's like people who are on this kind of uh, rat wheel and they think that they're doing different things all the time when in reality they're doing the same thing or the same cycles over and over again. It's like it's almost like a mirage in the desert, right? Like you think you can see the thing that you're supposed to do and you chase it, but you're just going in circles. Like people get into those patterns and they don't realize it a lot, I think. So I think, I think the great John Wooden, the great basketball coach, if you remember from UCLA, John Wooden, I don't know if you're a bas- college I know basketball the name, I know the name, but I don't really follow sports. Yeah, he's, he's one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And he also wrote what he called the pyramid of success. And one of the pieces of the pyramid says, don't confuse activity with achievement. Mm-hmm. So just because you're busy, to your point, you could be on the hamster wheel, just being busy, but not really getting anything done. And we get suckered into that. Oh my God, I went to work today. I made a hundred phone calls. Yeah. Did you book any appointments? No, but I made a hundred calls. <laughs> You're great at making calls. You're yeah. not great at booking appointments. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Anything else you want to tell us about uh, your program and your coaching and your strategy and uh, for the audience? How do people work with you if they want to, if they want to talk to you and, and find out if you can help them and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah, the first thing I would do is encourage everybody to join my first, my my Facebook community because I believe in power and community. 
I, I believe that there are other people out there that you need to meet. You're a phone call away or a message away from somebody who could change your life forever. So if you go to Hour of Champions Facebook group, it's a private okay. group. But if you ask to join and fill out some of the questions, I'll be happy to admit you. And that way you can get a sense for who I am and what the community feels like and the energy. And of course, hourofchampions.com, my website. You can learn more about us, our offerings and book a call. Like if you're sitting on the fence and you can't answer the question, as anybody said lately, you look good, you sound good, you sound different, and you feel like you're in that proverbial groundhog day, give me a call. Let's talk through it. Let's figure out if you really want to change and how we help make that shift and, and calm the noise in your life so you can ride it out and be super successful in all aspects of life. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. certainly, you know, the mindset part, the physical fitness part, the mind and mental strength, it all goes together. Like you, I don't think you can have one without all of the pieces. They all go together. You um, have to, you just yeah. have to. Yeah. Any missing component, you're like, you're just like a flat tire. Yeah. Right. Three good tires, one bad one. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love it. So Awesome. Steve Werner. Let's see. Find, you can find you on LinkedIn, Steve Werner, and also uh, on your website, hourofchampions.com and your Facebook group, which is free to join Hour of Champions. Your Facebook group is there. I don't know if there's a link on your website, but just Facebook groups, just do a search for Hour of Champions came right up. Uh, I'm actually going to join your group as well. So Awesome. So lucky to have you. Thank you. Hey, man, thanks so much for being here. I'm going to ask you one more question here. Sure. I like to ask, and you pick one or, or just one theme, but what advice would you give to other people who are still struggling and still trying to figure things out and what to do and how to do it to change their lives because they know they're not where they're supposed to be, but they're not sure what to do? What advice would you give them now that you didn't know way back then? Yeah, start moving. Do something. When I, when I say to somebody do 10 push-ups in the morning. And they say to me, I can't do 10 push-ups. I say, can you do one push-up? They say, yeah. I go, then do one push-up 10 times. I like that. I like that, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But start moving, open a book, turn on a podcast, yeah. get moving. Because if you don't, you're just going to wake up feeling the same crummy way tomorrow. And it's, it's this, it's a long game. It really is. It's incremental advances. And if you move an inch a day, I'll share this one with you too. Like people that tell me they don't have time to read. If you read five pages in the morning and five pages at night, that's 3,650 pages a year. That's 10 books. And that's just for people that don't have time. Get started. That's my advice. Perfect. I love it. And the old yeah. saying, Rome was not built in a day, right? Amen. I love it, man. Yeah. Steve Werner, Hour of Champions. Thanks so much for being here. It was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.